Welcome to Surroundscapes, an audio and video podcast series featuring a diverse collection of interviews with thought leaders from around the world, addressing the general subject of the future of business. This content is curated by Blue Sound Professional and focuses on the role of the oral and visual senses in creating unique, delightful, and compelling experiences to stimulate business. The first series of Surroundscapes is focused on the future of hospitality and retail, the sector of the market in which Blue Sound Professional is most active and a market sector especially hard hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. I'd like to introduce Rob Anders from NEO. Rob's talking to us from Tel Aviv and he's gonna talk to us about uh, the NEO digital audio platform this is a talk I've been really looking forward to. I met Rob earlier on this year and was fascinated by the work he's doing within NEO. So I'm looking forward to this as much as I hope you are. So welcome, Rob. Hi, Graham. How are you? Nice to be here. Looking forward to the conversation myself. So, Rob, um, we met in Amsterdam. We were introduced by um, Jeff Day at a, at a wonderful dinner of thought leaders. And what you're doing just blew me away. The fact that that um, I love art. I've been kind of an art collector uh, for decades now. And I got really, I've been really frustrated by digital art because it's been kind of a, I don't know, a, a, it, it hasn't taken fire. So I remember kind of Peter Gabriel doing Eve years and years ago on CD-ROMs and a yeah, putting in the CD-ROMs and having that experience and and wondering how it was going to, to really catapult forward from that. But a lot of what I've seen has been just so boring. And and what you guys are doing is like a breath of fresh air. How, how did you do that? And why did no one do it before? Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I greatly appreciate it. You know, I think it's a few things that come together. Um, I think first and foremost, if you look over time, timing is so important. When is the right time for something to happen? You know, it's, 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 a, it's a number of trends and human experiences and technology all at the right moment. And if anything, I think you know, we'll talk about it later, but COVID has actually just accelerated this. So on the one side, I think timing in terms of the ubiquitous of screens everywhere, high-speed internet, um, the fact that the emerging generation of creators and artists are you know, the iPad generation and they're they have more access now than ever before to digital tools. So I think that on the one side, you've got all of that element. And at the same time, you have people around the world who are consuming all types of media. They're more open to these accessibility business models than just owning you know, subscription rather than owning. We live in a subscription economy. We live in an experience economy. So what we wanted to do was on the one side, empower artists by providing them a platform, a dedicated space where they can showcase and earn from their art in different ways. And we wanted to build a bridge between them and connect them to the broadest possible audience, um, whether that's people at home or people in, in, in any type of physical space and provide the technology which would enable them to really easily implement this in any space. So Neo brought together a few things together. It was a community of artists. It was a collection of content which really fit the desires of all different types of audiences, you know, different themes and genres and aesthetics and the technology to actually deliver it from one side to the other 
in a way in which it's accessible. You take that and you wrap it in a brand which kind of makes this almost revolutionary and you want to be part of the revolution and the timing of the markets and where people are at. And I think you have all the ingredients to see something take off. Excellent. Yeah, there's a couple of things there. The first one um, that I thought about was with respect to timing and the internet and, and the reliability of the internet. We see that in streaming music as well. And a lot of the time people used to say, well, I can't stream music because what happens if the internet goes down? And mm -hmm. if you go back about 10 years, you'd occasionally go to, into a store and they'd say, the internet's down and, and they process the credit card by bringing out one of those swipe machines and, and kind of processing it through that. But I haven't seen that in certainly five years because people assume for, for so many things in doing business that the internet's there. So, so that kind of robustness and assumption that the internet connectivity is there all the time, you can't process transactions, you've got no point sale data, you've got bigger problems if your internet's gone down. So that really facilitates streaming of media. And then the other thing that, that you said that was really interesting to me is around subscription. Um, because again, we've seen that on music. And, and if I think of digitization in general, I think of going from 35 mil film to a 640 by 480 digital camera. And I look back at those digital photographs I took, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, they're unusable now because they're so low resolution. And likewise, as we digitized music, it was done at so low resolution that that content that we bought is unusable. But this whole idea of being able to subscribe, so you get the stuff at the resolution that, that is available now, and you're not kind of locked in to a format that might become outdated in, in both art and music seems to be definitely the way forward. So, I mean, to, to both those points, first of all, you know, we still have scenarios where we, we don't like to work on streaming, you know, in some locations, you know, when you're talking about big video walls and when you're talking about works of art which are generative so they're running real-time software you know they're very they can be very demanding um you know even 4k if you've got a really big screen this is an amazing artwork true 4k 60 frames per second you know is is really pushing the edges now will it improve yes do we have customers that the streaming is perfectly adequate yes do we also have fallback solutions as is the case now with the professional screens where you can have something local on the screen and then can be streaming something so you've got this backup if it falls back so i think you know we're 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 we're, we're streaming is having its day i think streaming is the future um, and i think streaming is going to become even more intelligent in terms of processing something which happens remotely and you experiencing it as for the as for the business model um you know in the art world you still you really it did always thrive on scarcity more than ever but more than any other content sector you know i have to own this one of something but certainly the ability to subscribe um, and remember there's different models in subscription you look at things like audible on the books you don't it's not always an all you can eat when you when you subscribe um, and i think those are some of the nuances and subtleties appropriate for different sectors and maybe art falls more into that category than a pure Netflix as much as you want. Um, you know, and we're experimenting with, 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 with different models, but certainly the business model and the technology together come together at this moment to present something which is uh, accessible to many people.
yeah, that makes that that makes a ton of sense. And and even in the and I totally get. I used to work for a hardware manufacturer that did streaming video as well as audio, and I'm really well aware of the 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 huge bandwidth necessary to stream uncompressed 4K 60 frames of um, video. It's it's ridiculous. But in the same way, the one meg that we need to stream uncompressed audio a few years ago was also ridiculous. And now you think you know, yeah. one meg, it's like pocket change. Yeah, no. It's, you know, it's, it all changes so quickly. You talked a little bit about AR and VR. Is that something you've got installations running now? So AR and VR is used in different ways. You know, part of our platform is used by the artists to actually store, publish, transfer, you know, preserve um, their content. And obviously, a lot of that work is AR and VR and other formats. Um, and then there are some aspects of this that are then applied through the platform and actually played back using aspects of the platform. One aspect, one thing that we need to be clear here is that A, there's so lack of standards still with VR, you know, different heads, you know, different headsets and different works. It's kind of quite hard. We have to follow those trends and we're not in a position at this moment in time that we have VR players on every different type of device. Uh, the other thing is in terms of the, the, the take up of this as an experience. Um, I'm not personally the biggest fan of VR. I think that humans, humans, certainly in the locations we've been talking about, are looking for a social experience. Um, you know, you can put on this VR headset maybe for two minutes and it's kind of, it's cute, you know, but it's, it, I don't think it's scalable. Um, AR, I'm much more of a fan with, you know, the idea of, you know, being able to go in and again, integrate and experience something through your mobile device. Um, you know, and that we, we, we're doing a lot of stuff there. AR can be used both for experiencing the art, but also AR is used to be able to showcase what the art would look like on your wall. Um, so a few different, a few different ways. And again, Neo is underpinned by a set of software tools, which empower the supply side and even aspects of, of the, of the, of the viewing audience. So, you know, we use those technologies both as tools, but also in terms of, you know, the medium for being experienced as an art form itself. Yeah, that makes, that makes a load of sense. I, I'm with you on, I mean, I've had some compelling VR experiences, but that sense of isolation is sometimes kind of nice and useful, but often, you know, it's, it's we're, we're craving social experiences. And even for years, I was working in companies selling uh, video conferencing technology, and I still feel that what we did in February, meeting over a dinner table in Amsterdam, is still a more natural experience. And than looking at each other on a video screen. So we still have some way in technology to go. The challenge now is melding the physical and the virtual in a more seamless way. So uh, for example, video conferencing, making it more lifelike. I have a very good friend that does video holograms and, and uh, they're doing uh, holographic video conferencing. And, and I, that was really the first time I was able to actually feel like they were there. Even the biggest screen seems to be somewhat of a barrier. Um, I mean, you know, from our standpoint, obviously, we're, you know, one side of us is tech geek, so we like to be pushing the pioneers in technology. When it comes to the art form, we always believe that the artwork needs to be led by the, the story of the artist. It should be led by the art and, and less so by the technology. And, I, and, and from, a, from a technology platform perspective, 
you know, we built things in such a modular way that our expectation is that whatever platforms, whatever hardware devices come out, whether it's a hologram or VR, you know, we will be able to play with them. Um, obviously, we have our own personal opinions in terms of what experiences are going to be going mainstream and which of them are going to become uh, kind of more more niche. Um, but certainly, I think there's going to be a lot more technology to reach us in the uh, in the years to come. But I do think personally that you know the combination of the screen and the mobile device is going to be the dominant relationship, you know, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that that certainly seems seems to be the case. Um, in terms of you were talking about AR a bit and this kind of overlay of the virtual over the the physical. How do you see that developing? Do you see glasses? Do you see some other way of being able to implement AR in a more seamless way? I again, I you know when I look at all the trends of consumption, the mobile device has become so smart. Uh, you know, I just I can't see the glasses right myself right now. You know, I think that obviously the the um, the voice interaction with the mobile device, the whole AirPods and your and your iPhone. I think there's I think that they're onto something there, which is still the, the beginning. Um, but I think that I think that the way in which when you walk into a space, that mobile device of yours, um, and even the smart watches, their, their numbers are growing. But you just look at the sheer quantity and the market continuing to evolve for your 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 phone or your communication device. I think that's just I think that's where I think that it's just like the LED. You know, if you come from the display market, the LCD market is still the ninety pound, the hundred pound gorilla. You know, and you've got OLED and you've got all of this other stuff. But still, like for the next 10, 20 years, you know, I can't see anything coming over and it might dent. You know, it might dent, make a dent. I can't see people walking around with, uh, with with glasses. Do I think in 10 years' time people will have some, more people start having chips inside their bodies? Unfortunately, yes, and I'm mm -hmm. not a fan of that. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of device, you know, for me, it's that, you know, is your phone going to change? Are you going to, is it going to be more flexible? Yeah, all of that will happen, but it will be that core device and that multi-screen relationship, if you ask me, between your your small device and some other big device, whether that's a projection, whether that's a screen, whether it's an LED wall, whether it's a hologram. And I think you're gonna need them together because I think the, the mobile device is what ties it together. It gives you that education layer. It gives you that interaction layer. It gives you the ability to take that experience with you. Um, it integrates with everything else. Um, that's where your mobile, your, that's where your music and your video overlaps from a control perspective. Um, that's where you might discover before you experience, try before you buy. I mean, it, it just seems to me that that's the, the relationship which will continue to, uh, to thrive. And what sort of percentage of, of the artworks that, that uh, you curate at the moment have an audio content? And, and when they do have an audio content, how are you um, disseminating that? Um, I'd say probably only about 5% have, have audio. Um, and there are, however, a number of artworks which are sound art pieces. You know, it's mm -hmm. a conversation amongst itself. You know, they're not music, or they're not. I mean, they, they are, but they're not. Um, you know, we we take a look, and, and again, this is something that, that we can talk about offline. Like we believe that from that there are moments where you want to curate um, 
an experience which overlaps audio and visual. Um, and, and it has to be a balance because it's not a screensaver with some background music. It's it's what it, and you probably therefore want to start by having playlists which are specially curated. Um, you know, and then I think that you will have the opportunity of integrating generative music, which you know creates itself on the basis. Um, and then there are conversations with artists that you know we've had some stuff, some early conversations with, with, with even with people like Radiohead about you know the opportunity. You know, some of these music musicians that are that they put a lot of focus into the visual aspects of their work, from the album covers through to the music videos. Uh, so you can so kind of see this stuff converging in different ways, but definitely there is a relationship, as I said earlier, um, with another conversation we had, you know, it brings me all the way back to MTV. You know, that was, that was kind of game changing in terms of this artistic visual and audio. And I think, you know, we're now into, you know, MTV version, version two or five or whatever you want. Yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. So, so I think um, I, I referenced the Peter Gabriel Eve thing, and there was another one I can't remember. He did a one after that, but I also remember Brian Eno's Seven, Seven Million Paintings generative art piece. Uh, but there wasn't really that came with like an MP3 file that's that that repeated all the time, and and he's also been doing a lot of generative music. So it seemed like a missed opportunity to put a generative soundscape with the generative art piece and i i totally agree that that there's this you know what's the next thing mtv putting together uh, songs with videos um you have people like for example imogen heap now going out with um the Mimu gloves doing 3d sound um through she's touring with the dnb soundscape system at the moment using these gloves to throw sound uh, around the room and how does that then um how, how do you amplify that with with a congruent visual stimulus because uh in terms of events a lot of the bands so far have, have you know they, they've got screens now behind them and they've got video content behind them and how do you make that more immersive so I think the starting point is awareness. Like when do you when do you want to like when does that become an extension of the the, the artist the artist's story, as opposed to just someone throwing on some you know some video effects in the background, and that's why I think you're going to have some artists that are leading. Um, and I get you know I think again it's it's you know it's, it's this gradual approach. It's it's having premium influential artists who are pioneering in bringing this together, um, enabling this to be accessed spoken about people get excited and then and then you know and then it starts building uh a you know its own kind of flywheel of momentum um but i you know i think that there are some artists that are already getting it you know some of the artists we work with are both visual artists and um you're seeing convergence with different type of artists you're seeing film directors going into creating video art you're seeing animators and computer uh um computer game uh, game developers going into kind of immersive interactive art forms uh, so I think that you know everything in this world is converging, um, and if you if you if you create a platform which enables that sandbox of innovation to play with itself and be experienced by people around the world, then you start kind of uh, harnessing some momentum, and, and really cool stuff can happen from that. That's something you just mentioned something there that I hadn't really even thought about, which is the convergence of gaming and digital art. How 
talk about that a little bit. I haven't even thought about that. I think who, you know, who, who's, who's an artist? I mean, you know, it's amazing, you know, just like that word curator has become like the word of the last 10 years and you hear it everywhere. It used to be a museum. It's like, everyone's a curator. I curate wardrobes or whatever it might be, you know? Yeah. So, so, so the question also is who's an artist? If I'm doing, if I'm on Instagram and I'm an artist and ah, I, you know, I, I, I think the quality and, and filtering of quality is important. Um, there's no doubt that if you look at people who study um, art, you know, they then come out of their art school and they, and they often, what, what professions do they find themselves in? You know, some of them end up in web design companies. Like they all would love to earn from their art and they would love to, you know, earn from their art by selling to MoMA. Okay. The reality is, is there's only about 10,000 represented artists in the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. So some will go into like web design and, you know, user experience and like design roles. Some will go into animation, um, you know, and then, and then some will, will go into commercial work, you know, and some will go into, into game developers. And, you know, you can imagine gamers, first of all, I mean, the gaming market is, is a separate conversation. It's the most crazy market in terms of people involved in spending. Mean, I couldn't think of, personally, I couldn't think of anything worse than sitting on YouTube for three hours watching someone play a shooting me up game, but then maybe I'm missing something. Um, but, you know, the quality, you know, they're using the same design tools and, you know, and they're creating stories, they're creating characters, they're telling stories of the world. Um, and, and these people very much are artists and, and there are festivals, you know, if I think about Arts Electronica in, in Austria every year, huge festival, which brings together these, you know, that gray area of the art world versus the non-art world. And yeah, and, and it's all changing, the rules are changing because of accessibility. Yeah, there's so many, I mean, even some other things like uh, UX and UI, web design that you brought in there. There's, as you say, there's so much convergence and it brings so many opportunities. And, yep. and what it sounds like you're doing with Neo is creating a really flexible platform, technically, that, that will allow kind of art to develop in the way that it wants to develop. Is that right? Yeah, I think, first of all, yes. You know, we want to be the go-to destination of the way that people discover and experience art in a digital world. And so again, that context being, being, um, being values driven and integrity driven in terms of how we enable this work to be shown and, and distributed, building a platform where each artist or gallery or, or entity sits under their own brand, their own name on the platform, fully in control of their own content is very important. You know, that community contributes to the rules of the game, the new business models. Um, technology enables us to work across multiple formats, multiple types of locations, multiple business models, multiple commerce elements. You know, um, and you know, all of this together um, needs to also have that layer of curation, that layer of education, you know, because you take established artists and you put them next to a wannabe artist and you, know, you have challenges. So it's a it's a it's a very complex riddle um but the solution comes from this one ecosystem um underpinned by technology you know driven by values and purpose um you know and enabled through curation uh content strategy um, and education and, and and all of that has to come together and um you know we're certainly not the size of apple yet um uh, but you can see it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a serious it's a serious ecosystem with lots of twists and turns. And I think in this particular sector, if you if you step away from those complexities and you miss the nuances, 
then you can fall flat and be blacklisted and discarded as a fraud very quickly. Um, so, so I think that's why we're that's why we're we're in a good position, and uh, you know we hope to become that that brand synonymous with you know inspiration and 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 all the good things that this provides people with. Yeah, I love that you said we're not as big as Apple yet, <laughs> and I, and I love that that ambition. You know, you, that's brilliant. And and the other thing which resonates with me as we look at the the kind of music world is that idea of being a really flexible technology platform that makes um, that gives the artists, whether it's a visual artist or an audio artist, um, the ability to do what they do, and then makes the dissemination of that kind of easy, um, however they want to do it. So in our case with Blue Sound Professional, not being reliant on one streaming platform, but being a repository that allows for integration of multiple streaming platforms. And likewise, with you guys, it sounds like however digital art develops, you will develop with it rather than just saying, here's your technical blinkers you have to be within you know this platform because that's what the technology does it in listening to you talk that's not at all how you come across yeah i mean listen i do think it's important you need to define rules uh but but those rules are defined with the community to a large extent uh, now you know, and it's a balance you know we're a commercial entity but you know we have advisors some of our you know you just look at our investors our investors are a mix of on the one side some of the leading venture capitalists, the guys behind Stripe and Monday.com and Vroom that just went public and Snapchat and, and others. So, you know, really we're, we're looking to do this at a very significant level. This is a multi billion dollar opportunity. And at the same time, some of the most influential people in the art world, um, people on the board of the Guggenheim and the MoMA are invested in Neo. And so every aspect along the way needs to be finding the right balance, the right blend. Um, you know, I think this is a this is a marathon play. It's not a sprint, um, but you know, I think it builds it builds momentum from that community, and then you can enjoy all the benefits of network effects. You know, and 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 the communities are bringing more, and the more people artists are, the more audience, and you know, this thing scales up, and I think that's what we're aiming towards. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but this coming out of the pandemic and bringing people into public spaces just that ability to to have um platforms that allow for this kind of delightful experience that you mentioned earlier that that long term you know you talked about high net worth uh, individuals and and maybe it'll be available to all of us at some point but at the moment our way of being able to experience that is to go out into public spaces so it seems to be to me almost a no-brainer play for a public space to put in something that someone can't easily experience at home, at least get full experience. So it just seems like it's your moment. Um, I think it's a moment because I think the world, I think we spoke about this earlier, is the world, the world needs, you know, whilst the world is is um, is desperate to go back and save economies and and you know, we're not all joined at the hip as one and, and however terrible and you know, however terrible this is. I do think people see that they will be, we will overcome this at some stage and we won't talk about follow on pandemics, which are likely to come their way. But, um, but I do believe that you bring this together and in general, people need to have moments of meaningfulness. And I think that needs to be accessible on demand. Um, and you're absolutely spot on, you know, 
we 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 started in the public spaces and the B2B and B locations. Um, and whilst we will go to consumers towards the end of this year, together with some of our strategic partners and licensing and so forth enables us to do so. It's different than to music. I think that even if people can experience this at home, very often you go to public spaces and that's where you get scale. I mean, like mm -hmm. that's where you can have huge projections. That's where you get the, the video walls. You know, even the even an 84 or 98 inch screen in a public space or two, two of them next to each other isn't something that most people can have at home. So I do think that I do think you're spot on there. I do think that it's its moment. I do think that this brings a unique experience which people will talk about. Um, you know, the number of times, you know, you talk about retail also when people are looking, what can I do which will enable people on the street to kind of walk off the street into my space? And I tell you now, you go to a furniture or a design store and they have a screen near the window which show me moving image artworks. People notice that and they'll walk in. Um, you know, we've seen now all types of showrooms and luxury brands and so forth. Um, so it is its moment. Um, it's experiences that you can't have um, at home, um, but you can have derivatives of this to take home. Um, you know, on your regular landscape TV when it's off, and your beautiful lounge is kind of got a big black hole on the wall. But you know, for the portrait screens, for the big screens, the multiple screens, yeah, you know, you're going to get those in the in the B2B. And, and that's an experience which hopefully will influence people to walk through their doors in the short term. Yeah, I think it it may be, I was just thinking as you said that, it's kind of the same in the analog art world. So I have like, if you could see over here, I've got tons of bookcases and I have, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of art books. And I look at paintings, um, you know, analog art in the art books. And I could go to the next step and get a print. I don't, I typically buy original art, but I could get a print. But none of that stops me from wanting to go to an art gallery to see the original and to, to get that full on experience of, of the original. And I can definitely see in the visual space, you know, your ability to, to see it on your, on, you know, your 55 inch TV or even on your phone, but that ability to see it at scale is is going to be something that I can only you know I can imagine you travel for. I mean it's it, I mean that you know that you're, you're touching on an interesting point. I, I, you know, and I'll push back on some of that. You know, first of all, scale is always scale. You know, you can watch a feature film at home, but it's not the same as it. it it's still the film you'll see in the cinema, okay? But obviously, the cinema experience is the cinema experience, okay? Um, so, so, so I think scale has its benefit, but I don't think that erodes that you can't experience. When you're talking about moving image video, what's interesting there is that the actual artwork itself is a video. So you are seeing the artwork. You're not seeing a, a photograph of the Mona Lisa on the screen. You're seeing the real artwork, even at home. It's the art form which is most accessible. The other thing which is interesting on what you said is that up until COVID in particular, the art world was already shaking in its ground. You know, It wasn't so sustainable that people just travel around the world going to art fairs the whole time. And, and, you know, I think that this, this, this notion of the world moving online so quickly and, and communities and people needing healing and nourishment, I think that digital, with digital transformation as COVID, what we're seeing is, is, is a lot of questions being asked about the entire future of how people discover art and culture as a whole. So whether that's paintings, whether it's live performances, whether it's digital format artwork, which is born, is there a way that people can get as close to an experience without having to travel. 
Um, and, and, and this is a really something we're interesting on, you know, a lot of people did these virtual online galleries where you, you kind of feel that you're walking into a physical space. And personally, I don't believe in that direction at all. You know, Netflix doesn't give you a user experience that makes you feel like you're walking into a movie theater and sitting down in the auditorium. It knows how to build a appropriate context for someone that's sitting at home or on their mobile device to, to, to deliver the content. But I do think that there's a very interesting opportunity now for bringing one unified platform, which is the future of how people consume art. Um, now, I, it, and I'm not saying it replaces people having a physical painting because it, it won't. But, you know, um, when I look at the number of people who are going to museums around the world um, who have been traveling and that's going to be changing, I think there is an opportunity in a moment in time to really disrupt the way that people are discovering an art and cultural experience. And, and, and part of that, by the way, is also bringing the social layer into it. It's not just about you sitting at home with your, with your, with your art book, but it's to be you having an experience which might be immersive about that painting, which might include, you might not have the real, it might not be a thumbnail of the work or in the book, but it might have a live interview with the artist and a, and a, and a, and a live video of his studio and you can engage with him. And then it might, there might be documentation of that painting, which is a visual aesthetic. Sometimes we've seen, we've seen, we've seen works where it's a video created of a painting, which actually you could put it on the wall and actually enjoy it. It's not just a static image. It's, it's a slow moving interpretation or something. So we haven't, I don't think we've got the final solution. We've been looking at different things, but I think they each have their own space. And the question is how they, but I think they can all be, have their own space within one unified platform, which delivers it. Yep, that makes that makes total sense. And and uh, you talked a little bit about the interactive element of some of the artworks, and you know I, I assume that that will have a social element as well. So, you know, in the in the video you showed one person interacting with a screen, but but presumably that could be that's where the convergence of almost gaming or or um, social media and art come in uh, if different people can interact at the same time with an artwork in different places. Once you've got your spot on, once you've got everyone connecting, everyone can be part of the artwork. You, you could even look at Neo as an artwork. Neo as a platform is an artwork in its own right. I mean, again, it all depends how, how deep you want to go. Um, the tech is there. The artists are there. Bring them together um, and, and, let them, and let them play. Um, and you know, and I think that's what we're that's what we're aiming to do. So we've been talking for for quite a while now, and we probably should wrap it up. But I really want okay. to ask you how people get in contact with you because this is great stuff. I can imagine everyone wants to to at least look into it. Well, we'll put to the side the background that we'll we'll look at doing something together because I think there's an opportunity to 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 go to market with some stuff together. But, you know, neo.com, www.neoniio.com. I think that uh, I'm proud to say it shouldn't be too difficult to find us. And, and anyone that engages through the site uh, will be responded to by our team uh, across the US or Asia um, or in Europe. And, uh, and we'll look forward to exploring any opportunities. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Rob. So that's Rob Anders from Neo. And I really believe that, that this is transformational. and it's for me been a, a really fascinating surroundscapes episode. I hope you enjoyed it too. 
and uh, please come back for more of these Surroundscape episodes. So thanks very much. <laughs>